Welcome to Fantasy Focus Football. We are presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save. It's Thursday, April 4th. Field, Daniel, Stefania, and Mike. The animosity from an absolute bloodbath victory yeah. on Tuesday in trivia has already subsided. Still riding high, though. Yeah, it has yeah. been a great I have Really been, good like, week. I have been walking with my nose up in the air. Mm-hmm. Like I own the joint. I feels like a pretty big gap. Feels like right? a fairly big gap. 25 total. Mike, taking it on the chin right yep. there. Uh, Stefania and Mike, though, it's okay. We do respect your insight and we would love to have you join us today. You sound so serious. I don't want you to feel bad about the fact that you got smoked. I don't feel bad because you know what? The listeners wanted to come have dinner with me. Wow. That's a good point. Winner in life is Stefania Bell. Here's sure. happening on the show today. So we got something sort of fun to kick off the show, and then we're going to dive into social questions, which are also fun. Thanks, everybody, that has been submitting them. And by the way, you can always get in touch with us at Fantasy Focus on Twitter, a great way to interact with our entire team behind the scenes. They do an awesome job looking through various replies and questions that might be on your mind specific to fantasy football because, let's be honest, fantasy football is a 365-day-a-year mm-hmm. exercise. Mm-hmm. But every offseason... Mike Clay is the person who is responsible for deciding that, you know, there are a couple of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, even kickers that have just been in the database for so long. And at some point, you got to kind of up refresh the data, Mike, and right. decide players who are no longer free agents. They are officially mm-hmm. retired. They are not going to factor into the projections. They are not going to be available in the player pool. And every year, it's always kind of funny to see who gets wiped away from the player pool. So mm-hmm. we thought we'd lead off the show today by giving you some highlights from the various players that effective this year, even if you want to, you can no longer draft or claim off of waivers mm-hmm. on ESPN Fantasy. Yeah, the annual purge, we call it. So every year I go through this. Believe it or not, I have a process for this. There are some boxes you have to check to be eliminated. For example, if you've been drafted in the last three years, you're still in the database. Okay. If you have not, If you played in the last two years... You're in the database. If you're on a roster right now, you're still in the database. That's that's the short and long of it. There's other little technicalities in there. Um, but otherwise, you know, guys that have been out of the league a couple of years are wiped away. And and every year, there's some some fantasy legends. Uh, and sometimes, by the way, people are like, what? This guy's hasn't played in like seven years. What are you talking about? And you're like, no, you, you know, uh, who's like... Well, like, you play two Matt years ago. Schaub, like, you have him exactly, on the quarterback right. list. And I'm like, was, Matt Schaub retired nine years ago. Right, exactly. No That's what I'm saying. Mind, right? it's always, You're it's telling me he funny. didn't. You're telling me he, he did not land the Falcons like so three years ago. He probably played some snaps in 2021 as right? a backup. No, yeah. Oh, I'm sure right. he did. I'm taking you at your word here. Right. I'm just telling you he didn't. I'm always surprised, too. I'm like, did we miss this guy five years ago? Like, how is he still there? But... Nope. Every so time. There guys. are a lot of names at each position. Uh-huh. Uh, so let's just go through. Kind of let's let's name an all purge team, if you will, Mike. An all purge and team. this guy right here deserves I don't even know if we can call him on the purge team. Like that feels unkind to one of the highest scoring players in the history of fantasy football at quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. It is Drew Brees, who uh actually my dad and I were huge fans of when he was at Purdue. I actually I should have teed you up to see if you remember that. Do you know he went to Purdue? Uh, you know all the I colleges. Yes, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I saw him play at Penn State walk down to field level. Yeah. And then my dad likes to tell the story. We went out, uh, we were, we at halftime, they go, they like walk right through the, the fans and right. go into the locker room. And I stood there and he was like, oh, like hit him on the shoulder pads or something. This was at halftime of a game. And I went up, hit him on the shoulder pads, like security grabbed me and pulled me away. Cause he was already like big time at that point. This is before, you know, before he was 
uh, in, in the NFL, obviously, but we loved him. And, uh, Papa Clay he went on trying to, to get a seven-year-old arrested. At the... <laughs> he did. I almost got That's, almost got. Uh, <laughs> that's the clo- By the way, just for the record, I, that's the closest Mike has come to running into the law in his that's entire it, yes. life when seven-year-old Mike like just went to go touch a soon-to-be NFL quarterback that's on the true. shoulder. Although, as it turned out, cool. like, there was good reasons to protect that shoulder as he ended up throwing for a ton of yards mm-hmm. until some Tom Brady guy came along. Drew Brees, of course, had the most passing yards and mm-hmm. passing touchdowns in NFL history. Who are a few other quarterbacks that are no longer available to add on ESPN fans? Yeah, so this one's going to hurt. I know a lot of people won lots of games with Blake Bortles. Ooh. So, uh, Unbelievable tough one. Unbelievable year. Best garbage. He did that one year, right? Yeah. yeah that yeah. one year he was great in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Blake Bortles out of the system. RG3. Uh, ESPN colleague. There, our colleague, yes, Alex Smith. Also ESPN colleague. colleague. Yeah. Yes, uh, Matt Schaub and uh, now Philip Rivers. High school coach Philip well. Rivers, yeah. He sure Did, is, did yeah. you see he reached, I think, was it him or was it Ben Roethlisberger that noted that like teams were calling them down the stretch last year? Mm-hmm. It might have been both of them. Yeah. So Philip Rivers, we may have to bring a player from the all-purge team back onto the all-active team because stranger things have happened than mm-hmm. a team calling in a quarterback that has supposedly hung it up and decided to go on to the next phase of his career. Yeah, and if there are rumors even, I'll just activate them. Okay, like that. fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> we'll uh, keep an eye on that. A running back list that is highlighted by a player, uh, Mike, that I think mm-hmm. this one, like he has to be like 29 years old. How is he possibly purged? Yeah, uh, at running back? Yeah. Right Todd Gurley. Yeah, Todd Gurley uh, shows you the shelf life of running backs. Just a few years ago, this guy was an absolute fantasy superstar uh kyle put some stats down for us during his rams career 2015 to 2019 the third highest scoring flex player and was r b one he was fantastic a couple other guys on the purge list alfred morris lamar miller Dion lewis lashawn mccoy frank gore and a couple other guys that were fun at times or high pedigree guys yeah tj yeldon and theo riddick too i love lions theo riddick that's right but you had to love nobody more than todd Gurley daniel because First of all, he was a running back, which makes things very yep. – that's always valuable in fantasy. But also, he had a cool story, right? Like, ACL tear late in his college career. Mm-hmm. And people th- say, like, he can't go in the first round. He ends up going 10th overall to the Rams. Starts playing, like, halfway through that season. You instantly were like, wow, he's the best player on their roster. He did it all. Like, that run – like, we need to throw a little more appreciation on Todd Gurley's run for, like, four straight years as the most valuable player in fantasy football. Yeah, it it's just so sad that it was such a shortened career because we saw so much – so much skill and everything that Todd could do once he was able to be healthy and on the field. But it just, it didn't feel like we got to have that longevity that we've seen with a lot of these other running backs that mm-hmm. we've learned to love. And so that's the appreciation. You basically have four to five years of peak Todd Gurley. And then it was, a, it unfortunately came off of a, a cliff pretty quick. I kind of think about running backs that define fantasy football and there are various phases, obviously, right? Like LaDainian Tomlinson might be considered by some to be the best fantasy football running back of all time. But like, you had the Arian Foster era. You mm-hmm. had, I would consider that the Todd Gurley era where there were other great running backs, of course, but Todd Gurley stood above mm-hmm. the rest of them. I'm mm-hmm. asked to find about a guy who stood amongst, uh, above many more wide receivers for a long time. Uh, but Mike, before we get to the wide receiver uh, who sort of makes the all-purge team designation, who are some other running backs? Uh, you mentioned TJ Yeldon uh, and Theo Riddick for uh, Daniel, but let's get to the wide receivers then. Yep. So ha- uh, the all-purge team wide receiver pick is? It is... How about the the only guy who has, or, or only only Jerry Rice has more fantasy points all time than this guy? That's absurd. and he's in the purge list. Yeah. Larry, Larry Fitzgerald, love that guy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what bothers me to find about Larry Fitzgerald? Nothing. What? No, well, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the never, I want to hear no, this. What bothers yeah. me is that he never made a retirement announcement. Mm. And so we never got the chance to celebrate the greatness. I know it's been celebrated, sort of bit by bit in the three or whatever number of years has been since he retired. 
But when a player comes out and says, I'm done, it gives us the chance to really shine the light on that player. And I feel like Larry Fitzgerald never got that. I know, and I'm not sure that he really ever wanted it. It's just sort of the way he's always went about his business, too. The Larry Fitzgerald, who would put up consistent, even in the latter stages of his career, right? You always knew that he was the safety valve for whoever was throwing the ball, Mr. Reliable, so who's good for solid fantasy points. And then every offseason would go to somewhere where he'd never been. That was a big thing of his was to travel and to study and just one of the brightest guys to play the game on top of it. And now now working as an analyst. Say, ESPN colleague, yeah. Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> and one of the most amazing parts about Larry Fitzgerald. Go check his quarterback list. It's awful. Yeah. Like he yeah. had some car- obviously, Carson Palmer and him had this incredible mm-hmm. connection once Palmer ended up in Arizona. But, oh, my goodness, Mike, it was a bunch of mm-hmm. wannabe quarterbacks that Larry Fitzgerald was playing yeah, with. Yeah, there's always been a handful of guys like that. Usually they land with someone eventually that yeah. could kind of carry them. And it was it was tough for him for a long stretch there and kind of cost him at times in the touchdown department. But he was just so good. And, and to your point, very humble, right? Kind of like the guy, the only guy that's ever outscored him in fantasy points, Jerry Rice, who once said... Yes, I think I'm the best yeah, receiver yeah, at all yeah, time, but you never that. hear me yeah. say that. Well, he, yeah, and as somebody who is a fan of a different team in the NFC West and has no love loss for the Arizona Cardinals, I always felt badly that Larry Fitzgerald couldn't get I felt like he deserved to be on a championship team. Yeah. But you didn't feel you that know? bad. Well, not bad. Well, as a 49ers fan. Yeah. Yeah. So bad, but yeah. not that bad, just to be clear. <laughs> who, did right? he, uh, who did he? He probably caught some passes from, was it would have been it like, like Drew Stanton? No, I mean, when he was with, uh, he was a uh, 49ers, or uh, excuse me, a Vikings ball boy. Uh, he Brett Favre was with oh, the Packers yeah. was that, that at that would, point that in his career. Farber, no, I want to yeah. say, wasn't he there? I, I, well, I don't know. I, 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 you know what? I was going to start naming names. And then I was like, you know something? I have no clue. Um, I don't think, I don't know. you know, he was a 2003 draft. Maybe a little maybe Randall in there. Maybe career Randall Cunningham. Rich that, that would make some yeah, sense maybe to in me. That, in that area. Um, who are anyway. Go ahead, I, I just want to bring this up because I think it's interesting. I know with the running backs, we didn't really dive into it, but Alfred Morris is a name that has a lot of history with this podcast. I don't recall that history. <laughs> yeah. But Stefania, I think one of the biggest names that we have ever talked about on this show is the very first one up on this list after Mike, and that's Alshon Jeffrey. Have you talked about any player ever more on the history of this podcast than Alshon Jeffrey? Is questionable for this there, week? There's, I mean, I know, even in retirement, Alshon Jeffrey <laughs> right? is still but he was the player that became celebrated on this podcast because every week his status was in doubt. Mm-hmm. But if he played, he always would, you know, yep. he, he was mm-hmm. he was a threat to do big things. And we loved Alshon Jeffrey on this podcast. He finally got his with the Eagles, right? Yeah, sure did. That's right. That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah, Alshon on the list. Uh, Des Bryant is on this list. Uh, Julian, Des caught it. Des caught it. Des caught it. <laughs> that one was for field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Julian Edelman. Yep. Yeah, and a uh, couple other here. Dante Moncrief. And I guess that's Golden Tate. I believe it was Golden Tate. That is Golden Tate. Tate. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, Mike. I don't want to throw too much shade here. No, go ahead. But... Dante Moncrief has to be like, Come thank on. you, Mike Clegg. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. But you that, just that listed was, Alshon Jeffrey, Bryant, Larry Fitzgerald, Julian Edelman, and Dante Moncrief. But sometimes I list guys that are like football Twitter heroes. Like, we love them. We, yeah. we hype them up every year. They're yeah. sleepers. We tried to make them happen. <laughs> exactly. And, they, we, and so I, I, I like to, to include a few Dante of those Moncrief guys for fun. Dante right. Moncrief just unblocked Mike on Twitter. That's why he's <laughs> oh, <laughs> included on this list. I don't know. Beyond that, by the way, is... Dante Moncrief, like he kept getting paid for a while too. Like yeah. After rookie contract, he went to what, the Colts. Yeah, the Colts. He got like a one year deal. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Wait, what? Like, yeah, who's laughing? Mm-hmm. Dante Moncrief is right. better than all of us, oh, right? To be yeah. clear, like he doesn't care about my 
my sort of pot shot there for including him amongst the likes of guys that have, are going to be Hall of Famers or Julian Edelman, who's like the second leading playoff receiver of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think the Dante Moncrief is laughing his way as to buying a set <laughs> to the metaphorical bank or the literal bank in his case. Um, believe it or not, the number two scoring tight end of all time is not Travis Kelsey, but it is a player that's no longer in the game, Mike. Mm-hmm. It is Jason Winton. Yeah. How about that? Dallas Cowboy? I, yeah, he's, uh... Would you have guessed that? Only no, based I, on longevity. Long, exactly. I mean, that's exactly. the thing. He was yeah. just, he's there yeah. forever and one of the favorite targets for Tony Romo. Would, yeah. Can I, mean, I ask where, where Tony, where Tony Gonzalez, where uh, Travis Kelsey is in that list? Though, I, Mike? I don't know that answer. I, I got it. Thirsty he's Kyle, got can you look that up? I was going to say top yeah. five, top yeah. seven at worst, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Kyle uh, will figure that out. But yeah, uh, yeah Tony, Jason Witten was the second highest score tenant of all time with 2,970.3 mm-hmm. points. Wow. I would have guessed Antonio Gates had more. I just, yeah. because he scored so many touchdowns, he was hurt. more athletic. That's true. And his, yeah. his career was shorter than Jason Witten's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, Witten retired, came back. Yep. Yeah. Got a few yeah. more. Remember that? Oh, yeah. my. That's yeah. he came back. Yeah. Came, yeah. came back mm-hmm. bold with the Raiders. Yeah. 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 That was a. Uh, that was just a. Yeah. That's probably, this might be the name on here where you're like, no way. He's been gone for like six years, right? Because he was. Like he right. was in the yeah, Monday Night Football booth, okay, right? Like, take that back. He actually he went back to the Cowboys me. first. I remember I yeah. went to the combo. That's what it was. And yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. the Cowboys announced he was coming back. And then a year later, not only, like I some people thought, hey, this was a year to come back. It was a natural way to back out of an opportunity in the Monday Night Football booth. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. the right fit, right? Right. It turned out it was no, no, it was like I'm coming back to play for like three more years mm-hmm. and make some real money, by the way. Um, Jason Witten, I think he will be an NFL head coach if he decides to go down that coaching path seriously. That was always the rap on Jason mm-hmm. Witten, was that he'll be either the University of Tennessee head coach or an NFL head coach if he decides to pursue that path. Who are some other ones that also made the list? Yeah, speaking of guys who are in media or are now, Greg Olson, he's yeah. on the list. Oh, so good. Yeah. Number one uh, broadcast awesome. at least yeah. right now. Yep. Trey, uh, Trey Burton. We what? Love him. Love Eagles, him. Eagles hero. Justin, he was just playing football. Like I know. he was not. He was not. Uh, wow. Tyler Tyler Eifert is mm-hmm. on this list, and J- Jordan Reed is part. Yeah. You know, I'm. I one guy. Love the guy. Great player. Happy to deactivate him because yeah. he's part of my favorite story of all time related to fantasy football. I don't know if I've told this one before. No, I'd love should, to. Hear should it. I tell this one in yeah. like sixty seconds? Sure. Yeah. So, semifinals matchup. This okay. had to be five six years ago. I go into the a great team, stack team. This is like with a bunch of our, our friends at Roto World back then, you know, Roto Pat, Sigmund Bloom is in it, Adam Levitan, all them sort of guys. And I'm in the semifinals, really good team, 14-teamer, up by one point, going into Monday Night Football. I'm facing Jordan Reed. And he, remember, he was often, especially that season, really questionable all mm-hmm. the time. So he's, he comes in, they start the game. He doesn't catch any passes. He's limping around. He's having a hard time. Uh, and then at one point, he gets up with the injury, limps off to the field, goes to the locker room. So it's over. I won this thing, right? He's going to come out in street clothes. I win. Nope. He came back out in the field, walked into the huddle, lined up in the slot, did a quick slant, caught a pass, fell down. Got I lost. He got the point and a half, got up, punched somebody, and got ejected from the game. <laughs> oh, my god! Not gosh. even kidding. That's <laughs> oh what my I got. Yes. And in like five minutes, everything changed right everything there. Goes, my <laughs> stack team... Ended just like that. That literally no, got ejected. There were no deductions for the punch. It was that so, so thank you for that, Jordan. Also, our colleague so at ESPN. Love. The other Jordan. The other Jordan. Our colleague at ESPN. Course, just great ESPN draft coverage. If you I love his mock drafts. Jordan's mock drafts are deep, Seven too. Seven rounder. Yeah. yeah. Rounder. If, if, you're, if you like going in, Jordan knows what he's doing. He is mm-hmm. all in on the draft, as he should be. So those are the tight ends. And then we'll just pay homage to one kicker. 
Because although we always tell you, like, wait until the last couple rounds for a kicker in your draft, you actually got an advantage if you reeked a tiny bit on Steven Goskowski. Yeah, for, uh, what, 2013 to 2015, the number one kicker three straight years. So if you had <laughs> went a round or two early, maybe it paid off. Uh, it is Steven Goskowski, yeah. yeah. So uh, I just had some great years there with the New England Patriots. They, for a while there, they just knew how to find those kickers. Crushed it. Vinatieri yeah, to Goskowski. Yeah. They were like, like, we're done with Vinatieri. Right there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it. yeah, he was. He could absolutely bomb kicks from 50-plus uh, yards. What's more impressive, Go, like going from Vinatieri to Goskowski or going from like Montana to Young or Favre <laughs> to Rodgers? Like, I don't know which of those is more impressive. But. I think I'll probably go with the quarterbacks over the kickers, but it's a healthy okay. conversation I mean, hey, for a different hey, show. Hey, maybe. I agree to disagree. All right, let's go to the, some <laughs> social questions, and these come via the tweet machine. Uh, the the bird or is it the Doge app these days? I don't I think, know what it's called anymore. I'm sticking with the bird app. Yeah, you want to do it? But All I right. think there was a Doge logo for a minute. Right? For there, I wouldn't be surprised. Doge coin. Yes. All right, we're back uh, to the bird app. So let's discuss uh, the question from Philip Daniel. I will start with you. Do you think yeah. the Bills ride with James Cook or do they draft a running back? Keep in mind they also have signed Damian Harris this offseason. Yes, they have. I think that they. Well, I, I can both of these things be right? Like I think James Cook will probably be their lead guy maybe the guy that they look to with more touches than anyone else but i also think that they are going to draft somebody i think really? two guys drove to work neither guy wore a seatbelt. one guy got a ticket one guy didn't the same two guys drove home one guy wore a seatbelt. one guy didn't one guy made it home the guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't don't risk it click it or ticket paid for by nitsa for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call click granger.com or just stop by it's an annual tradition these days, yeah. it seems like, for them. I but. feel like they always draft running backs. Like, it's, And it doesn't have to be an early-round guy, but I would just assume that they would, again, add to that position. I don't I don't think they will. I don't think they touch that position. I think you spend a second-rounder in James Cook. I think he's a guy who you want to push for 13 to 15 touches. You, have you did that last Har- year with Zach Moss, and you ended up using <laughs> but, a second-rounder the year after. But you have Damian Harris there, too, they bring in, who, I, I look, maybe he's not a roster lock, but I think he's a good back. He's a good runner. I think he'll have a role. They wanted a bigger back that... You know, he, he made perfect sense for them to sign because that's what they were looking for. They bring him in, and they already spent assets to bring in Naheem Hines and redo his deal. And I think he barely played on offense last year. I think they uh, expand his role in passing situations. So I think they have what they want now. I'll be surprised if they do anything more than maybe a late flyer and a special team running back. So then would you, I mean, James Cook would still be the number one, though. If you're taking yeah. anyone from this team, it's James Cook but, and then Damian Harris. limitations. Yeah, I don't think that I'm going to love him from a fantasy perspective because I think they're going to use three guys this but year. They're going to so, use three yeah. guys, and if you had to make a bet, or if you had to make a hierarchy, if, the, if they have the ball from the five-yard line going in, Damian Harris. Harris. He's number three on the depth chart there, right? It's Josh Allen slash Damian Harris in the one-two order. You decide what that order is, but it's going to be one Two before we get to James, James Cook yeah. as the consistent yeah. hammerhead at the goal line. One of the worst kept <clears throat> secrets of the offseason was the Bills want a big back, right? They've been trying to find that for years. They let Devin Singletary go. They bring in Damian Harris. I think they're set there. Uh, let's move forward to Jacob's question. Mike, I'll go to you here because you're old. Which older player should we expect <laughs> to see drop offs in production from? Um, yeah, this is, you know, it's funny. I was, he's not old, but he, he, it almost feels old to me because he had 400 touches last year, which is Josh Jacobs, right? Like he's not an old back at all, but he's the guy I'm like most worried about because you just seem like you age so much when you touch the ball that often and history shows, um, a drop off there. So 
also like other running backs that have been elite the past five years are all 27, 28, yeah. 29, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, yeah. uh, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook. Like all those guys are nearing that cliff and I'm a little nervous about them. And then the other one I just want to make fun of uh, or give field a hard time is Travis Kelsey, yeah. 33 years old. Is this the year? He starts to slip. Wow. You know, like I am not I, I, going to rank him like he is expected to slip much this year. I just I mean, think that. Yeah, I just <laughs> just think from a process standpoint. I, I was I was just going through some uh, some wide receiver work this morning, and as I was looking at some of the players that are in like that top twenty to twenty five consideration, mm-hmm. there are a couple of wideouts that, based off of how they performed last season when they played, plus what the current depth chart of the team that they are on for right now looks like. I think I know where you're going with this. DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen, two oh, wide yeah? receivers, I, where yeah. it's like I, you know. There are a lot of boxes that they currently check that you love. I mean, Keenan Allen especially because you mm-hmm. know there's quarterback stability and you know he's going to be there in Los Angeles. DeAndre Hopkins, who was top nine in fantasy points per game amongst wide receivers last year because he had 96 targets in nine games. But who's the quarterback? Mm-hmm. What's the offense look like? It's an t- entirely new offense. And he will be there. We don't yes. know. So uh, those are a couple of wide receivers where age is the most disconcerting factor right now understanding that other things could flip between now and the start of the season. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Keenan Allen is, and and keep in mind, when he was a full goal last year, he was the number three scoring fantasy receiver. He was really good, heavily targeted. The guys that seem to hang on the longest in terms of fantasy relevance are the slot guys, right? The short range guys, and that Mm -hmm. is Keenan Allen more so than DeAndre Hopkins or another guy I'll add on here who's not, I think he turns 30 this year, or is Devontae Mike Evans. That was interesting. Right. The quarterback situation there, Tampa Bay's rebuilding. He's a guy, just the role he plays makes me a little bit nervous. So I don't, he, you're in, he's low in my rankings. He, he feels uncomfortably low. This next question comes from Charles and Stefania. This is one that obviously has a very important health tie. How high should I draft Jamison Williams? Yeah, it's a good question. Why are you shaking your head? Not yeah. high. Yeah. I think the answer is not high. Like, I love Jamison Williams, but I saw outside of the medical stuff, which I want to hear about you from, Stefania. We saw like four plays from him last year, and it's really hard to be able to just project anything other than excitement about that player. Yeah, well, I think, you know, he's going to be a deep threat, uh, but how much is he, is he going to be a wide receiver too, which is my guess is probably where he'll land in that offense with a lot of mouths to feed, but he'll have a, he'll have a better year from a health standpoint. He comes in. I love the fact that he got playing time on the field because it answers a lot of the questions that are the hardest thing when you're coming back from this injury is, can I do this? at the same level that I did before my injury. Not only did he accomplish that, he's actually performing at a higher level considering he's now gone from college to NFL. So it removes all of those questions. A full year to get ready conditioning-wise for the NFL. I think he's going to be the player he was before, but it's the opportunity cost in terms of fantasy. I think just within that offense, uh, I I would look at him as a wide receiver too with upside. Yeah, first of all, Daniel, tip as usual, hating on the Lions. Right. As, as usual. As usual, biased he's against him. He's trying it. actually uh, to show uh, that he's being objective. It's really hard for him. Overcompensating like, a little bit. Lion, yeah. lion, lion. <laughs> um, I'm 47th at wide receiver, you know, so you're talking. <laughs> That's maybe not a, high. It, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, but his yeah. ADP right now, early ADP 12-teamers, is around the seventh round. That is a little early for me. So I don't know if I'm going to have a lot of Jamison. Right now, they just brought back Marvin Jones. We'll probably have a little bit of a role. They don't, they're not going to target the tight end a lot. But, um, you know, there's... I think he could. I think he's one of those that could rise as the season goes, too. You sure. Know? Yeah. So a couple thoughts. Now, Dan, what, are you, what, are your, what is your thought here as the, uh, the unbiased <laughs> Lions fan? So this is not... It's not the same. These are not the same situations. But I just feel like we all got... We all got so excited about what we saw those final four games out of Gabe Davis that there was this excitement of the unknown and what he will be able to do in this office. And I yeah. think we saw some of that with the few plays Stefania mentioned from Jamison Williams. 
But I don't know how you look at him and say from an, a full so, season standpoint, it's I can't draft him as someone other than a wide receiver four for my five for don't my you team. Guys love this? Don't you guys love this, though? This is Daniel, who's got all this scar tissue built up <laughs> from being a Lions fan. Why He's do, trying to be calculated and reserved. Yeah, no, I think that's – so when Mike has him as a wide receiver five, 40, so that seems yeah. reasonable to me. Is For my team. So a couple thoughts. Yeah. First of all, I will push back on the Gabe Davis comparison for one very specific reason. Jamison Williams, special, mm-hmm. special talent. Like, we saw some of those plays last year coming off the ACL where he's running by NFL defensive backs. Like, when you see a five-star recruit's highlights on YouTube, and they're like 65 yards down the field from the closest defender. Jamison mm-hmm. Williams made a bunch of guys who are supposed to be the best athletes in the world look silly. Mm-hmm. Crazy upside there from just a pure skill set standpoint. And I also think that... Um, but, but I think some of the points are fair there. It's like not going too whole hog. And that's where I think, Mike, bringing up the specific rank you have as wide receiver 47 is important. It's also not. It's important because it's a good data point. If I have one thing that I can make happen for ESPN Fantasy this year, especially during the preseason, is that we stop getting so married to guys. Being not, I'm not saying Mike is doing this, but like think of players in buckets. Mm-hmm. Jamison Williams at wide receiver 47. Mike, I don't know you have at wide receiver 42, but I'm guessing – I could probably make a pretty compelling case for Jamison Williams ahead of that guy, and you could flip it. So I look at Jamison Williams as somebody who should have an expanded role, who has an extremely special skill set, plays a lot of games in a dome where quarterback's not going to have to worry about the elements, good enough quarterback throwing down the field, that if he was like a Deshaun Jackson-type season, wouldn't stun me. Mm -hmm. He could also have 38 catches this year for 579 yards. And five touchdowns, and that wouldn't stun me either. Yeah, he, he could be a league winner for sure. In the middle rounds, I'm fine throwing a dart at him. He's going yeah. a little earlier than where I have him ranked right now, but I'm with you. Look, they drafted him in the early stages of the first round, mid early to mid portion of the with first round. With a big trade-up. Yeah, big yeah, trade-up. To be oh, number one. You don't do that for a number two, right? You want a superstar guy that is a top 12 or 15 fantasy wide receiver. That's why you make that investment. So, I mean, not they're not thinking about fantasy, but they expect stats that would make you yeah. a top in fantasy I mean, wide receiver. So. uh it's yeah. just so a fun easy to get get caught up in the excitement of what a player can be. That it's, I guess maybe that is the scar tissue of the Lions side of it. A <laughs> couple of questions that are sort of Jets related. Or one is definitely Jets related. The other one a little bit more indirectly. That's where I'll start. Lucas asks, does the value of Aaron Jones increase or decrease with Jordan Love with the help, Daniel? As of right now, obviously the Jets and the Packers, it's a matter of time when this deal gets done. But Jordan Love's going to be the guy to help Aaron Jones. I got to look and see what Aaron Jones has even done with Jordan Love under center when he's been given that opportunity. You know what? There's nothing. You, you can't bother yeah. the sample samples. Right? There's, there's no there's Jordan nothing. Love sample size that you can point to and okay, say, so then okay, this, this teaches me something. So then this team is going to be worse without Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. under center. I think they're going to score less. And because of that, there, there's the two scenarios. Either Aaron Jones is going to be involved in the passing game as a part of that come from behind thing, which is what you're getting. But you're probably going to be scoring less points overall. So like, I feel like there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a wash between those two things. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, he's yeah. a mid-tier RB2. For me. I think that's fair. I'm at RB14. He's 20 years old now. You have A.J. Dillon there who's going to probably split carries essentially. So I, I think it's a slight, slight down. He's there. going to push for 50 to 60 catches because that's what mm-hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. He's going to have touchdown outburst games because, again, regardless of who's the quarterback, that's what he does. Yep. He's going to lose some goal line carries. The offense might not be as effective. Big questions, though, at wide receiver for the Packers. So maybe that number 50 to 60 amongst catches is more like 55 to 65, and that should be good enough for him to hover in that RB2 range. Mike, does, should, should Garrett Wilson be receiving early round draft consideration, full PPR? Because I, uh, in my what, most recent ranking earlier. updates, can make the case for him as wide receiver 11 mm-hmm. with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, which is not, to me, 
It's not that. That's not that like outlandish of a take no, at all. It's not at all. He was 21 last year. Now you go to Aaron Rodgers in your second year. I've met 13, so yeah. I'm I'm very close to you. That's fine. You look again. Another guy like Jamison Williams was picked in the first round to be an alpha number one receiver, <laughs> um, and he was good enough on tape. I'm actually statistically his catch rate wasn't great because they had quarterback problems, right? right? So yeah. you think about what was left on the table, um, but you think about a guy that flashed that way, you would imagine. Aaron Rodgers will like him, right? And that's yeah. very important. It, he he looked good enough for me that, yes, I think he's in for a step forward. I also think the biggest potential limiting factor is this, this is out of his control, is right now it's Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, you know, a couple other ancillary parts. Mm-hmm. If that quickly becomes Garrett Wilson and Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. and Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, it could have a different sort of, the target share just might be impacted if Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. brings the band back together, which there are some suggestions he will be doing that. Yeah, I needed a huge target share last year, so yep. that was important. But maybe it's a lower target share, but more efficiency and touchdowns. Yeah. You and, know, and I feel fine. good about that one. Given feel, where he yeah. was last year, with only four touchdowns, I think about yeah. three receiving mm-hmm. touchdowns total. You expect that number to at least double? I think he'll be he will be one of the trendiest breakout players in fantasy football this year. Yes, I sir? can't believe that he was wide receiver twenty one with Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White as Although his quarterback. Mike White kind of slung it there for a little bit it's slung it from it? a fantasy slung perspective yeah. for us yes yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah compared to their other quarterbacks he was great got himself a nice little contract <laughs> nice in miami, miami. Yeah. yeah here's to the pressure backup. you know it's funny about uh, about doing the job that we do it's the greatest job in the world uh and we spend a lot of time down deep in the weeds right we're trying to figure out who's wide receiver 47 mm-hmm. versus wide receiver 46 mm-hmm. or 42 or anything in between and yet i always tell people the most common question that i am asked if you just Happened to cross by one of us in the streets during the offseason in New York Times, or I mean, near uh, Madison, whatever, MSG or whatever. <laughs> Times Square is what I was actually looking to go. say. <laughs> Where the field that? hangs out. When, when I say that, don't delete it. Um, Times Square um, is who should go number one overall. Mm-hmm. So, Stefania, I would put the pressure on you. If you were doing a draft right now, who is the first player off of your board? Mm, let's see if she's biased here. Who could <laughs> be? You think I'm going Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> Brock Purdy. Uh, Ross Dwelly. Uh, <laughs> Ross Dwelly. And I might, uh, yeah. because a healthy Christian McCaffrey could have, we saw how much they were utilizing him. And it's interesting. I was listening on the Bill Barmill show. They had Seth Walder on. They were talking about um, who would potentially, they were, they were talking about bets and prop bets going forward. And so they were talking about bets for MVP. And one of their, the, like, long shots, if you wanted a big mm-hmm. payoff. And one of the ones that came up was Elijah Mitchell. And as funny mm-hmm. as that would seem, the point was San Francisco could have a multiple quarterback situation. So if they have, you know, inconsistency at quarterback and somebody else from uh, the, is expected to step up and is, like, kind of key for them all year long. And their their example with Elijah Mitchell was if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. But I say he's not going to get hurt. Okay. And we saw how much damage he did. So I might lean Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, my my only qualm there is if you look at games when Elijah Mitchell played, yeah. Mitchell had more carries and goal line work. And they, re- they feature McCaffrey in the passing game, but that – Makes me nervous that they might try to limit his workload a little bit because that's what we said. They love Mitchell. They love Mitchell. Now, well, the time was, is- they, they were managing a little bit of an under the radar injury situation with him too, and so there is there is that gamble. That was actually a real thing. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't really talked about. Can, can I ask? But in terms it- of doing, I'm sorry, doing no, no, damage no, no. fantasy point wise mm-hmm. in both the run game and the pass. Like that's what I'm really looking for is somebody who can really do both mm-hmm. and yep. is going to and is going to find so the end zone. One. 
not necessarily a vote, but one nomination for Christian McCaffrey. Do you have a different player well, that comes to mind? I, I don't know if I would nominate this player, but on that same note, I feel like the two running backs that you would consider would be CMC, and mm-hmm. we just highlighted some of those reasons why you would, would wonder if that's the right decision. And Austin Eckler, and I don't know any updates on the Austin Eckler situation It's the field. biggest story that generated absolutely no traction because mm-hmm. I think that he has probably generated no traction on a trade this mm-hmm. offseason. He, sure. of course, uh, requested one. The Chargers authorized him to go seek and get one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, Try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These are not the same thing, but it has tentacles that are similar to Lamar Jackson because teams are saying, hey, we'll take Austin Eckler in his current contract, $6 million bucks. We'll trade you a mid-round pick for that. But if you want us to trade you a savory pick plus pay the premium, which at running back could be around $15, $60 million per season, they're unwilling to do that. I think if we get past the draft and nothing has changed, I'd be surprised. Maybe the compromise is the Chargers are able to structure his contract in a way that allows him to earn more if he performs comparable to how he has performed over the past two seasons, because when you boil it down to it, the biggest bargain in football the past two years has been mm-hmm. Austin Eckler. I still highly recommend, we talked about this before, go listen to the conversation he had with Chris Long on his podcast. Yeah, it's it great. is fantastic for all these things that we always talk about. Why don't running backs get paid? We talk, And actually, Chris Long echoed my what I've been saying for years, which is that there should be a different salary structure for running backs. They shouldn't have to wait five years to get paid because... Their position is inherently devalued by the risk. But Austin Eckler talks in that episode about like one of his selling points to teams, even his own team, and why he thinks he should get paid. He stays on the field and he does all these things in the offseason to try and ensure to the best he can, understanding that it's 100 percent rate of injury in the NFL, that he can stay healthy. And that it's, it's very interesting because. They understand that for running backs, that is the biggest, uh, you know, biggest knock. You know, the funny part is, this is totally unfair to Austin, but NFL teams have a very, like, I guarantee you their first counterpoint when he says that, which is a totally fair thing that Austin Eckler brought up, is they're going to say, great, Jonathan Taylor is that way too until he mm-hmm. wasn't, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, well, which is, that, that's all, the hard part. Well, that's and then the, they'll the say that everybody who got paid, that's what happened is they got hurt the next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey included. Uh, it, it's, it's tough. It's, it's what really... happens, but it's why those guys deserve to get paid sooner. It just feels pitch. like right now, the conversation about 101, those two running backs are the top two in my mind, and there are just more question marks around them right now than there probably will be once we get to I would lean towards July. Eckler out of those two if I'm making Me a pick too. at number one into running back. This isn't a concern. The only factor that I have in mind for Austin Eckler this year, assuming he plays for the Chargers, that has piqued my interest a little bit, he goes from one of the least aggressive offensive coordinators in the NFL, Joe Lombardi. Their air yards per uh, attempt last year was 31st. Mm. I don't know who was last beyond that, but it was probably a team that just had, like, non-functioning pieces there. To Kellen Moore, 
who mm-hmm. likes to push the ball down the field. And obviously, Eckler is so special that part of the reason why an offensive coordinator is throwing the ball less down the field is because you have Austin Eckler at your disposal. But if that chops off, you know, 15 catches over the course of the season, it has a little bit of an impact on him, not to the point that it changes my mind of him over Christian McCaffrey or any other running back, but it fortifies the case of somebody like Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams or Tyree Killer, any of those top receivers who all I think have a credible case to being the first player off the board, Mike. Yeah. Well, if you uh, if you open up the draft room right now and do a draft, the first player you're going to see is Justin Jettis. Jefferson. Yeah. yeah, that's he's he's number so one on my rankings. That's where I go. I, I just think I, I feel less good, less good. Is that a thing? <laughs> less good about yeah. running back than I have in a long time. I just yeah. there's so many question marks, including Eckler. Will he be on that team? Uh, and, and of course, McCaffrey that I just laid out. Same thing with, you know, Jonathan Taylor and other guys in that range. So right now, for me, it's Justin Jefferson. He's been fantastic for three straight years. He's elite, high floor. Minnesota is top six in in touchdowns sure. over the, during the Kirk Cousins era. I mean, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. The guy finds the end zone with, with the skill guys. So I feel really good about Jefferson. Safe play and a high ceiling play. He's my first pick. Yeah, by the way, a defense that maybe on paper is marginally better. I don't think it's a lot better right now. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the reason why they kept playing all those mm-hmm. games like they were last year. It's that they couldn't stop anybody. So they were having to play not necessarily catch up because they won all these one-score games. But they either were, they were protecting a lead on occasion, <clears throat> on more than an occasion last year. So I, I think there's like, I really do believe there is a legitimate case for like seven or eight players as the number one player in fantasy football this year because that top tier of wide receivers, it's really tough. Like if you just go back and look at the numbers from the beginning of 2021, and this is somewhat referenced in our Tuesday show, on a points per game basis, the most valuable player in fantasy football is Cooper Cup. It's very early, but I haven't heard too many people that are banging the drum right now to say Cooper Cup should be the number one player in fantasy. Not saying it wasn't a real injury. No, the Rams don't inspire a lot of confidence right now. That that whole offense they're all and everything. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, but their offense was terrible, and he was the most productive the guy. player. I know you're right. He was still great yeah. last yeah. year when that offense stunk. Yeah. I believe, and I could be way off here. I believe enough in Sean McVay, and I believe enough in a healthy Matthew Stafford, and I believe the Rams took the biggest punch in the face that you could take as a football team last year, the worst season by record in NFL history for a defending Super Bowl champion. It's going to be different. It's not going to be at the level it was in 2021. I don't think it has to be for Cooper Cup to reign supreme again as potentially the number one player in fantasy. By the way, speaking of teams having to throw the ball, have you seen the Rams' defense on paper right now? <laughs> it is. I mean, it is a shell as, of itself. Shell. It's as bad as about as bad as I've seen in the last decade of analyzing rosters. And it has Aaron Donald on right. the team. That shows mm-hmm. you how rough it is behind him. It's, it's something like six of their top 20 players are either under contract or still a free agent. Like everybody else has already been pushed out the door by release, mm-hmm. trade, or departed in free agency. It is I, absurd. Yeah. I think it was two guys who played at least half the snaps last year there, yeah. and one is Aaron Donald. Yeah. So no just to put pick. a pin in it, like right now, right now, my pick is also Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. as wider, as number 1.01 off the board, but other names certainly consider Austin Eckler, certainly consider Justin Jefferson, certainly would consider Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. I mean, there's Cooper, Cooper, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. Chase. Like, hey. There are some awesome, awesome names. Travis Kelsey, go Travis for it. Travis Kelsey, I mean, yeah. it, that, that's more of a strategy roster construction yeah. pick than it would be like. But it's justifiable. It's justifiable. It You're going to get a potential 10-point edge every single week over mm-hmm. your opponent who is sitting there going through the carousel of a tight end who could have five catches or he might have one mm-hmm. because there are so few good tight ends. So speaking of Travis Kelsey, Field, and we can close out on this if you don't mind. <coughs> Travis Kelsey 
I, I asked Kyle this, how many games he's played. Kyle, yep. Travis Kelsey's played 144 games, right? Okay. He has 2,270 fantasy points. Tony Gonzalez played 270 games. That's 130 more games right now. And he has 3,500 fantasy points. So Travis Kelsey still needs 1,300 fantasy points to beat number one overall yeah. tight end. That is a huge amount of fantasy points with how much Travis Kelsey's already played, wow. I feel like. Tony Gonzalez was really good. Tony he Gonzalez was, was incredible. Tony kept going, too, he right? Was the like, he played a long time. He yeah. played a long time. And Tony never reached the point where you were like, oh my God, like that isn't even Tony Gonzalez. He just took like small steps mm-hmm. back towards the end of his career. He was a very good player with Atlanta, mm-hmm. but not as dominant as he was during his time in Kansas City. He's another so, one where you just wanted it for him. Just yeah. Want, yeah. Just, yeah. Like, he hung on yeah. and he hung on and it mm-hmm. just didn't. And, and Kelsey, like right, any right. of these players at this juncture of their career, has to make a decision at some point. Do I want to go out at the peak of my powers? Or do I want to go out when the rest of the league tells me that I am no longer a valuable football mm-hmm. player? That is a conversation that I hope we are not having for like long time, five yeah. years, yeah, long time, because mm-hmm. I remain very bullish on Travis Kelsey. That is going to do it for today's Fantasy Focus. We are back on Tuesday. Make sure to, if you haven't already, check out the trivia episode from this past week. He's Mike Clay. He's Daniel Dopp. She's Stefania Bell. I am Field Yates. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Do not forget three weeks until the NFL draft. Let's go. Let's go. He's a NASCAR guy with a basement shrine, a Langford fan for life. Charges are off to a terrible start, but that won't change his mind. Matching up all the cornerbacks Touchdown regression and weekly stats But if your team falls flat He's the one to blame He's a brainiac, brainiac on the case With projections that can put us in first place He's a brainiac, brainiac He's my clay Two guys drove to work Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.